Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Plains on the Prairie podcast. I'm Max. And I'm Sam. And today we have another episode of our North Dakota ACES series to bring you. Um, this one is about Lieutenant Junior Grade Lloyd P. Heinzen of the U.S. Navy Reserve. Yeah, so this is our eighth episode, another uh, Hellcat. And I guess before we get into this, we got some good news for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sam, I know you were the one doing the research. What did you find? Yeah, we found... Um, a couple more aces um, <laughs> gosh so uh, like we said we had uh we had uh 10 aces originally well we had nine we can't, went to 10 we have another um so donald backus he's a uh, uh, eighth air force um so that'll be kind of fun yeah, in absolutely. the european theater um we also found a bonus one that we may do at the end from world war one so yeah that, that will be pretty cool a world war one ace think so, about that we have no so. other aces from any other conflict in 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 North not, Dakota. Yeah, no, I can't. So no not Korean Korea, Vietnam. Definitely not Vietnam. So, yeah. so this it's kind of interesting. So we'll have um eleven World War II aces, and then we'll have a twelfth coming from World War One. So yeah. it's going to be really cool. Absolutely. So yeah, we'll dig right in. Yeah, let's get started on Lloyd P. or yeah, Lloyd P. Heinzen. So Lloyd was born on May 22nd, 1918, in Garrison, North Dakota. Um, I ask this, I think, with ev every question, have you ever been to Garrison before? I have a long time ago. Really? It's kind of way up, um, kind of more of a flying trip, but um, it's up near uh, near uh, Lake Sakakawea, northwest part of the state. Oh, cool. Gotcha. So, yeah. I can't say I have. I've actually <laughs> never been up that way. Um, but Lloyd here was born there and grew up there and actually graduated from high school. Um, and then following that, attended UND, or the University of North Dakota, and that is where he played uh, football as a freshman, I believe. I think he redshirted his freshman year. Yeah. So, uh, oh, excuse me. But we are not a football podcast. We are an airplane podcast, no. so we will keep it rolling. So um, he joined the U.S. Naval Reserves at Naval Air Station Twin Cities on August 18th, 1941. So, what? Two, yeah, about two months per, or if, four, four months, months prior yeah. before before Pearl Harbor. Yeah, yeah, so he must have saw the buildup, mm -hmm. and you know, <clears throat> people were starting to join plenty before. Register was one of those. Yep. Um, we had uh, the um, Cohen tried to, you know, joining the services. So yeah, he's one of those pre Pearl Pearl Harbor ones. And that's that's something that's you know, kind of not to you know scare anyone or anything like that. But you you see the kit like kind of the people sensing like you know so the war clouds yeah. yeah you see you hear the drums and it's like oh well and some people do it to get a leg up mm -hmm. on promotions and whatnot and some just like to be prepared and yeah. both are reasonable yeah. for yep. sure absolutely <clears throat> so after his, uh, joining the u.s naval reserves in the twin cities he went to jacksonville florida for pilot training and then earned his carrier qualifications at naval air station miami which is also in florida um, he received his wings and was commissioned as an ensign in the U.S. Navy Reserves on May 1st, 1942. So he would have been in training during, you know, Pearl Harbor and some of those really yep. big, uh, you know, early, you know, 40 or 1942 mm -hmm. um, actions, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. And he really didn't see any action until um, 1944, really. Yeah. I mean, um, as none that we were able to. No, none. Least. Yeah. And he. Um, was one of the first members of VF-8 oh, um, based off of the dates of the activation of the squadron and whatnot. Gotcha. So he was promoted to lieutenant in May of 1943 and was assigned to VF-8, which we were just talking about, and he was on board the Bunker Hill. So he got his first kills, uh, came during the Marianas turkey shoot, which we've covered before, mm -hmm. um, which he 
was it on June nineteenth, nineteen forty four, or was it like spread out um, over a couple days? It was spread out over a couple of days, but the main day of Action. the turkey shoot, shoot yeah. was the nineteenth. It was okay. Yeah. So on that day, he managed to shoot down a zero and a Ki fifty seven Asakumo or a morning cloud in Japan, uh, Japanese, which you know we were talking about this earlier today. This guy, to, to pause it for a second, Heinzen, I think has probably the most interesting the weird ones so, i mean i had to look up the name for like i had to look up the uh, the allied code name yeah for for, to, especially the his last two are yeah, pretty interesting yes yeah. so this but, is the the topsy yep the topsy so the ki-57 asakumo which i if you can't tell i really like saying that yeah. so um yep he bagged one of those which i think it was a, a twin engine um passenger yeah like it that. almost looks like a boeing 247 resemblance wise mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, kind of in a very uncommon aircraft. Yes. I think only about a hundred were built is what I, I was reading up on. Definitely less than 200. Yeah. It yeah. was a very, you know, short production plan. So, so he, where would he have found one of those during uh, Mariana's? Like, cause they well, weren't the combat thing, The thing is with Mariana's turkey shoot was, um, in and around Philippines, right? Oh, Mariana, yeah. Well, that Mariana's island chain and the Philippines was a, a jumping base at that point. You had a good mix of, of, uh, you know, army and, uh, Naval aircraft from the gotcha. Japanese, so anything Ki pretty much is an army aircraft. Uh, Ki forty three Oscar, Ki eighty yeah. four, um, so on. Gotcha, so. interesting. Um, so we had just mentioned that the Topsy was a passenger air- mm-hmm. airplane. Um, three days later, on June twenty second, nineteen forty four, he shot down an H eight K Emily flying boat, which I we I think we know what those are. Yeah, um, big, <laughs> yeah, huge flying boats, and I believe. Uh, it was post-war after being studied by the allies. I think they came to the conclusion it was actually probably the most effective um, mm-hmm. uh, flying boat of the war just for maritime patrol, given its range. Its range was insane. Same yeah. with the Mavis, but the Mavis was not as well defended. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I forget who it was. I think it might have been, uh, shoot, it might have been um, Czech or... Um, or Frenberg, one of those two also shot down an Emily, oh, really? if I remember right. Interesting. So would they like come across these planes just in the middle of the Pacific? Um, you know, they would be, yeah, pretty much just doing reconnaissance. You know, they were used to search for the task force groups. Yeah. I mean, you find the carrier first, you win. Mm-hmm. The reason Midway went so well, we knew we found the carriers. Yeah, we, we had the red code. We, yeah. yeah. So we had the initiative there initially. So so you're you, you find the carriers, you give yourself a better chance. Mm-hmm. Even if your aircraft doesn't make it back, if you get the relay, there you go. go. Yeah. Uh, so a couple months later, on September 13th, 1944, um, during a bomber escort mission, they were attacked by a much larger force of KI-43 Oscars. Um, I know we've talked about Oscars in the past on this you know, pos- mm-hmm. podcast series. I, I like Oscars. I think they're pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Um, but Heinzen managed to shoot down one of them. Um, and they actually repelled that huge attack force that yeah. was going against the bomber. So pretty, mm-hmm. pretty interesting stuff there. Um, on October 16th, uh, Heinzen scored his final two kills um, against, I'd say, probably the, maybe not, okay, maybe not the strangest aircraft. Strange considering but, the origination of yes, the aircraft. Yes, uh, managed to shoot down, and their designation was very strange. Um, they were literally just called Navy transports. Did mm-hmm. you see that? Yeah. There, there wasn't like type zero. They're just Navy transports. Um, and they were based on the Douglas DC-2, 
famous airliner of the 1930s mm-hmm. um, that were built or they were licensed built by Nakajima. So and their allied reco- or reporting name was the Tess. Yeah. So he must have jumped a formation of them or something like yeah, that. It's, but... it's such a weird. I mean, the DC twos um, were very like you don't hear of DC two. You mm-hmm. come to DC three yep. in your brain. But the Dutch had them. I mean, there was a lot of captured examples. Yeah. Um, or just bought examples at the time the DC two came out. There was no, you know, embargo or any, um, you know sanctions on the japanese at that point so they so could have actually could have. been dc2s that had just been they pressed could have, into military they could have easily just did a copy kind of like um the russian the russian the u4 u4 the exactly you read my mind there yep so reverse engineered uh i i didn't didn't uh dig too deep on that gotcha gotcha but yeah that i i had heard that the japanese um had used dc2 mm-hmm. before and dc3s yes um you know, like you said, wherever they could get them, capture at them. that point. That at this point in the war, it was whatever you yeah, can get. Absolutely. So, I mean, if they're still using Oscars, Oscars were outclassed at this point in the war. Mm-hmm. They're very nimble, but just yeah, like any other, Hellcat, it, yeah. was, uh, it was a Tinder, it was, it was <laughs> Tinderbox, you know, yep. just um, everything just uh, would would blow up. So. Absolutely. Uh, so those were his two final kills of the war, and he ended the war flying with VF 10 off of the USS Enterprise. Uh, but he remained in the Navy after the Second World War ended in August. And uh, sadly, on November 11th, 1945, um, Heinzen was flying a Beechcraft SNB, which is the Navy version of the Beechcraft 18 or Beach 18 mm-hmm. um, or the C-45 in Air Force or Army Air Force Service. Um, They're flying, I believe, back to Naval Air Station Albany or Naval Air Station, um, one of those many Naval Air Stations in New York. And they crashed into Mount Beacon, New York, killing all on board. Um, unfortunately, uh, one of the gentlemen that was on board was a passenger, um, Commodore Dixie Kiefer, who had gained fame at the Battle of Midway for his actions and had actually been wounded by a kamikaze in the final months of the war during, the, I believe, the Philippine, mm. Filipino campaign. And, uh, yeah, that was a huge loss oh, yeah. for... Um, you know, not only the Navy, but U.S. government. Right. Um, I believe that today at that, at least in at the foothill of the mountain or at the hill, they have a memorial and it yep. actually has um, all their names, including Heinzen's, which is pretty. Yeah, and there's a lot of articles available out there if mm-hmm. you're looking. Um, it was the, the rescue effort was pretty interesting. They sent mm-hmm. a, they just had a bunch of people from the naval air stations come out and really? locals climb the mountain and look. Um, there's reports of gunshots like for signaling or something, but everybody, unfortunately, is, was unrecognizable when they mm-hmm. uh, got there, probably for cases, censoring issues here. Yeah. Um, it was pretty rough. It was hard to identify, you know, the, uh, the people. Gotcha. So. Yep. Uh, Heinzen is, his <clears throat> remains are buried in Arlington National Cemetery. So, um, a fitting resting place for yeah. one of North Dakota's famous aces uh so that wraps up our coverage on heinzen himself um sam do you want to talk a little bit about vf8 yeah so vf8 was another one of those uh just for the war i'm sensing a pattern yeah (laughs) a lot of these pacific uh well a lot of the squadrons just in general that the u.s had you know we're 
just temporary. We we're such a huge military back mm-hmm. then, unit wise, everybody was involved. Yeah, but I, I gotta ask, VF one and VF two, they're still around, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, why not VF eight? Good question. Who knows? But, <laughs> but then you have like VF one twelve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows? That's that's a higher power than me yep. that gets to choose that. I'm not paid to make decisions for that. Yeah, either. we're not paid to do this either. <laughs> <laughs> um no, VF eight was a uh, wartime squadron, like I said, uh, fighting eight is what they would always call or the VF just mm-hmm. stands for um heavier than air fighter. The B oh, cool. The V stands for heavier than air. Um they uh, were formed in June 1943 and um, disestablished in November 1945, uh, earlier than some of the other ones. Some of them have been deactivated in uh, 1946 or... They made it, managed man, to make it a couple, yeah, a year or two after. Through some the of the easy, like easing off, like mm-hmm. maybe part of occupation forces. Yeah, um, yeah and they uh, primarily served aboard the Munker Hill. Uh, that was the only carrier actually they served aboard. Really, it was USS Bunker Hill, um, and uh, then after after their shake, they had a shakedown cruise actually aboard um, aboard another carrier. It was uh, forget the carrier, but it was another Essex class. For some of the listeners, can you explain what a shakedown cruise is? A shakedown cruise is just kind of a get into it type gotcha. cruise. You know, you're getting you know everybody's acclimated to a carrier mm-hmm. life getting the kind of a new carrier the jitters, yep, some of the times like the that. new carriers go on a shakedown cruise um and then they went aboard the bunker hill and then after the after um their time in you know battle of the philippine sea and late gulf and all that stuff they uh were bouncing around uh different naval air stations alameda some of the other west coast gotcha. ones um yeah, not much on the squadron itself, history-wise. Mm-hmm. Kind of hard to dig up. There was another VF-8 prior to... Pre, or pre-Midway. 42 to yeah. 40, or 41 to 42. 41 to 42. Yeah. So that easily mixed up. Um, but, uh, you know, there's... Uh, you know, VF-8 was uh, part of that big task, task group. I mean, mm-hmm. Battle of the Phil Sea or, um, you know, Mariana's Tur- Turkey shoot was huge. We have two aces... Uh, Two of two of them uh, have shot down uh, aircraft yeah, during the yeah. yeah during the Battle of the Philippine Sea. So it's you know hundreds and hundreds of aircraft mm-hmm. were shot down. So it's cool that a couple North Dakotans got into yeah, the mix. Yeah, took took part in that absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, and then um, they uh, only flew F six, F three, and five Hellcats. Um, the profile, if you want to come to the museum and see the Aces wall, the profile shows an F six, F three with the three tone. Um, scheme like light blue dark dark blue, blue gray yeah like a light gray gotcha so so yeah that's a really standard yep. scheme everything and was really standardized that kind of goes to say you know with um you know i think all of our navy hellcat pilots you know it's hard to pinpoint an exact warbird unless it says you know yeah. hides in underneath the cockpit which i don't even know if they did that did they, they? they did yeah okay like you can see in the thumbnail for uh register it has oh, yeah, his name cash in there. Yeah. yep so there was that but again repeating ourselves a little bit from our past videos find a hellcat pretty pretty similar yeah i mean uh like we talked about with borley's vf 15 um mincy three is out there mm-hmm. um that's a really i mean it's a fan, it's probably, probably the, the top most score famous maybe ace. hellcat yeah. yeah yeah so you know we have one more hellcat left so we're going to probably have some repeat in that section, but um, the Navy 
all their squadrons are huge, you know. Yeah. I mean, and but uh, to have aces out of them still is, you know, they had some yeah. history. Yeah, and that it just goes to show, like, man, there must have been, you know, you got to think about these dog fights, and you know, you mm-hmm. you see the movies and the TV shows and the video games, but to have actually seen just swarms of aircraft, like you don't know who's who and stuff. Right. It's not. Yeah, you don't have a tag on everybody. No. No. You know, so. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, basically getting into that cockpit, trying to imagine what, what it's like. I mean, reading some of these books like Borley's, uh, you know, you know, little recounts in that fabled 15 book and stuff like that. It's just amazing to see well, you just put yourself into that shoe. Speaking of cockpits, uh, Sam, I believe you have a little something to share about what you did today. Yeah, I joined you in the T6 club. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Max, thank you again. Um, had this really cool opportunity come up to to fly in a painted as an SNJ T6 yeah. um, around Fargo here. We flew down to Kindred uh, with uh, Dick Springer, uh, longtime supporter of the Air Museum, mm-hmm. uh, Kelly Paris as well. Yeah long time uh, yeah and we got to tour the Odegaard wings factory uh down in kindred uh, something we should probably get on and I cover agree. it's I really agree. impressive it's a two or three man shop and they're churning out wings all the time for for people they have corsair parts as well i forgot to mention before um, there's lockheed model 12 uh, wings there too so really? really old lockheed wings wow and then um, got to see uh the Odegaard uh corsair that's in there their project that they've mm-hmm. been working on for a couple decades so really cool though yeah um, um did they say anything about the history of that corsair what um there's not much number? known um i couldn't tell you mm-hmm. i mean the wings are sitting in a different hangar um unfortunately since bob passed there hasn't been a lot of progress casey's his son's pretty busy guy but, yeah. but uh i also saw in the back i didn't get a chance to go look at it, it looked like an l2 in there but yeah they're really I mean, I work out of Kindred a lot, but I don't yeah. really get to dig around, you know, so it's really fun to do I, that. I've actually never been to Kindred. And there's so. some old, there's two R4360 engines, one in yeah. Kelly's hangar and one sitting right outside. So a couple of Wasp Majors. Yeah. So can just about imagine what those go on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a really fun opportunity. You got to get some cool pictures. By the time this is up, there'll be an Instagram post, I imagine, More our, than likely. on our, More than on our uh, profile, so. Hopefully that's hopefully that's old news for you guys. So <laughs> yeah, it was a really fun opportunity. Um yeah, so we have uh just a few more aces left. We got oh. uh we got four still or yeah. three. I can't do math. We have two now that we have discovered what, two three more? Uh two more. Um one World War One. Yeah. One um World War Two. So we have two more um Army Air Force and one Navy. So we're yeah. just going to go back to another Army Air Force here yeah. next. It'll probably probably be the one we found. And then um, we'll go back to the Navy and then back to our <laughs> uh, final Air Force one. And then um, our World War One is. Perfect. So, I'm excited. Yeah. We're going to close this one out strong. And then uh... we have plenty of other things on the docket. Oh, uh, yeah. Finding more and more local World War Two aviators. We have mm-hmm. plenty of interviews we're trying to line up to. So it should be a fun winter. Absolutely. Can't can't say that much around here. No. So. Yeah. Fun winter in Fargo. Yeah. Who knows what's going on up in our brains. But uh yeah. Sam, thank you for joining me today. And yeah, unless you have anything else. Oh, it's been a lot of fun. We'll catch you guys next week. All right. See ya. <laughs>